Hey, Sober Stories crew, your host Beth here. Are you someone who is listening to these stories weekly, working on stringing together your first few days alcohol-free? Or maybe you can get a few days or even weeks under your belt, but you run out of steam eventually and go back to alcohol. That's because willpower is simply not enough. Ditching alcohol in a sustainable way has so much more to do with your physiology, your environment, your stress load, and on and on and on. That's why I combined my background in clinical therapy with my four and a half years alcohol-free to create the Booze Breakup, a program for women ready to ditch the nightly bottle of wine and build a sustainable version of this, whatever this is for you, that feels really, really good. If you're ready to make this stick in your craving community with other alcohol-free women, use code SOBERSTORIES for $50 off your enrollment to The Booze Breakup at theboozebreakup.com. Rooting for you always. Welcome to Sober Stories, a podcast dedicated to the power and change that can come from really, really great storytelling. We believe that stories are a massively transformational medium. When we can see ourselves in someone's story, when we share our own story, that's when the magic happens. Here, we tell stories of folks all across the sober spectrum with hope, honesty, inspiration, and probably a few sparkling water jokes. I'm your host, Beth Bowen, and it's a huge honor to be chief story steward around here. With our guests, we pull back the curtain on the good, the bad, and sometimes the downright ugly of what it looks like to ditch the booze, changing the world one podcast episode at a time. Y'all ready? Hey, Sober Stories crew. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of our show. We are on a roll with Brits this month, it seems, because I've got another guest from across the pond today. And you're going to love her because that's how I felt about her by the end of our conversation. I had the opportunity to interview Yasmin Spark of Align Events, and Yaz shares her story of six years of sobriety, her mission to make not drinking fun again. Align Events is a non-alcoholic cocktail bar service located in the UK, and she's been featured on the BBC and Alcohol Change UK. Yaz and I dug into some really great topics, especially the need for diversity in the sober space. After you give today's episode a listen, tag Yaz at Align Events and let us know what your biggest takeaway was. Here we go. Sober Stories family, I have a delight of a guest for you today. We just spent like the first five minutes of this just gabbing and laughing already. But Yasmin Spark, welcome to Sober Stories. Hi, Beth. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. I know uh, we were talking about how we've had back-to-back Brits on this podcast. So I know it's a little bit later. I want to make sure that we are mindful of your evening and your time tonight. So let's dig right in. For those who are not familiar with you, they are not familiar with online events. Can you give us the high notes and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am Yaz. Um, I run Align Events. So I literally founded the company in March this year. Amazing. But it's an idea that has been percolating over the last few years. And we are a non-alcoholic mobile bar service. So if you're having a wedding, having a birthday, or you just feel like going to a fun event because we put on our own events then give us a call and we will create bespoke cocktails, especially. I love that. Bespoke is is such a great word to describe this. And I know you mentioned that you've got some exciting different bespoke cocktails coming up for fall. I know it's heading into the colder months there. Yeah. So what's been really fun is that you can change with the seasons and we try mm-hmm. to use like locally sourced and sustainable ingredients. So for the bramble, we're using blackberries from our own garden. Oh my God, cool. Fun. Yeah. And we're also doing like a take on apple cider. So take on hot apple cider. And that's apples from our own apple trees as well. So I, and I love that. I love that it's like from the ground 
two people's palettes and they can try it and yeah that is so beautiful dreamy like how do i get on a plane and head over to the uk to to get in on this (laughs) so tell us more about your story how did you get to this place where you're creating these beautiful cocktails you're building this business you're stepping into the sober scene what's the story of you and alcohol sure so uh, well i went sober in 2016 mm-hmm. so it's been about six years and i think i had my first drink when i was 13 and i remember i really remember clearly that first drink and it was because my friend and I were preparing for our joint 13th birthday mm. and we were like we want to be cool so we need to know how to drink so we <laughs> so we were like before the party it was at her house we were like sipping vodka and it was disgusting right oh, it was horrible yeah. it tasted horrible but we were like we need to do it to be cool <laughs> <laughs> and really I feel like that was the start of mm. actually the journey of relying on alcohol in order to kind of have a social presence and feel comfortable in social situations. I've always had quite high anxiety and I thought that alcohol helped me to mm. numb the anxiety. Actually just made it worse a lot of right. Go figure. times. <laughs> but you know, fast forward and it got to the point where in, in 2016 I had it all I guess on paper so I was in a relationship and had a place to live I had a great job had friends but I was so unhappy like I was deeply unhappy in my soul Mm. you know I I didn't society tells you right get a job get friends have a life but they don't teach you what does that mean for you right Mm. what would actually make me happy what are my interests what's my joy without the peer pressure without societal pressures, without family pressures. Mm. And I was lost and I was lonely. And so I was like filling the void with alcohol. And it got to a point where alcohol was all there was. Mm. So I just had to stop. I found an amazing therapist, integrated Mm. humanist therapist, and we started working together. And we have not stopped working together. Hmm. And she really helped me to find out who I am again and get back to my joy. Hmm. Did you quit drinking before or after you started therapy? I quit drinking about two months into therapy. It was a decision that I made like really like slowly, but I guess quickly. Hmm. Um, But it was the right decision for me. I know other people come to it in different ways, but for me, alcohol, it it doesn't help. Hmm. Yeah. So what was that exploration like when you started therapy, potentially for, you know, X, Y, Z reason, other reason, exterior reason, anxiety, whatever is coming up in our lives. And then you discovered alcohol is one of one of the things. I think it was a lot, right? It was a lot to take in, but there were so many other things that I couldn't get clarity on while the alcohol was still present. Hmm. I just couldn't. You know, because alcohol, it's a blocker, it's a depressant, it blocks our feelings. Yeah, it it stops us from being in contact with what's really going on inside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, therapy is a process where you have to be honest. You have to, in in everything, the good, the bad, you have to just peel yourself apart and couldn't do that with the alcohol. Mm. So also on a financial level, I was like, if we're spending this much money, right? Like you're budgeting and you're like... It's either the booze or therapy. I'm going to stick with therapy. <laughs> Literally. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was hard, but it was the best decision. 
And did you decide this on your own or was this suggested by your therapist? No, my therapist didn't even, uh, we, we were talking about something completely different, mm. right? But it just came up, right? Coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And uh, in true therapist fashion, she was like, so how do you feel about your relationship with alcohol? And then it just, <laughs> I try so hard not to frame questions when I'm talking with my coaching clients and like the, so how does that make you feel? It's a door opener. It gives so many, so many insights on the other side of it. You know, it's really interesting to me in the place that I am now is almost five years sober and working with people in this coaching capacity with my therapy background and knowing what I know, I'm like, how is this not the first question on every intake form on every doctor's form. Somebody presents with a problem, quote unquote, somebody presents with depression, anxiety, marital problems, feelings of depressed, like self-worth. Like how is this not the first thing that we're asking people when they step into a therapeutic relationship? Like how much are you drinking? And is that impacting all of these other things? And I think a lot of people have resistance to alcohol being the thing that is at least blocking, like you said, or potentially creating all the other problems. When you gave it up, what did that look like for you? It was very lonely. Like I won't, I won't lie to you, Beth. Mm-hmm. It was very lonely. It was very hard. There wasn't so many options when I yeah. first gave up. In fact, you know, a lot totally. of people. That's why I was saying friends. A lot of people mm-hmm. that I thought were friends, but you know, actually just hanging out with a good time girl right like that's they just wanted the party side the side that was out all the time and also the side that enabled their drinking and so when you stop and you say like actually I need to take this time for myself you lose a lot of people and and so that was that was hard but I didn't lose everyone Mm -hmm. so that was a positive and the relationships that I have now I know are really strong and I've Mm -hmm. made some new amazing friends and yeah. So I think you have to go through a little bit of a dark valley before you get to the other side. Mm. Yeah. I think that that's a really common story. This idea of sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. And I always appreciate when somebody is frank about what is hard on the other side of it, because, you know, we talk a lot on the online space about like the pink cloud or like how you're supposed to feel when you quit drinking and it's all magic and rainbow and butterflies. And some of it's really hard. <laughs> some of it requires a lot of transition. and it can be a risk factor to returning to drinking if you get on the other yeah. side of it and you're like, well, this feels like shit. It's supposed to be great and it's not. And I think that the more we can set you know, realistic expectations, the, the better it is. It's so funny that you said that there wasn't a lot back then because I got sober in 2015 or 2017. We weren't talking about this. There weren't any options. Like There was just <laughs> no landscape to this sober space, quote unquote, that we have now. And it's really evolved over the years. So you got past that initial hump of, you know, really starting to reconsider some of these friendships and see which ones are there and which ones aren't learning new coping mechanisms. What did you discover in, you know, kind of the months and years that followed? I re-overhauled my life, Hmm. like completely, you know, I, I ended the relationships that were not good for me. Um, I left my job. Hmm. (laughs) I, I went back to uni. I did a master's in subject that's like really close to my heart and Mm. that's black British literature cool so I went through yeah it was so it was great and I met amazing people and I really think education just opens the mind as well and it just it gets you on that other other plane where you Mm -hmm. start questioning things again you start questioning yeah figuring out what's going on in the world what's right for me 
what makes me happy how do other people interact in the world like all these things just started opening up so that kind of led the gateway I guess to working on myself mm-hmm. finding my passions again and then slowly thinking about Align events but I was still like in yeah. that kind of like baby duckling stage I was like oh, I'm too scared I'm too scared <laughs> Yeah, probably good to be a baby duckling for a while. <laughs> Do you think you could have stepped into that university journey or, or you know, kind of these next phases of discovering yourself if you had been drinking still? No, absolutely not. In fact, when I did my BA, the first interview, I, I hated it. And I, mm. I dropped out like, I think I dropped out like three times. Um <laughs> I don't know how I managed to get the degree because, mm. yeah, I, I just, I was so anxious. I was so preoccupied with trying to fit in. And that's my insecurity, right? Because I hadn't done the work. Mm. And I was using alcohol all of the time to, to cope with it. So, mm-hmm. no, absolutely not. Mm. So what does it open up for you when you remove alcohol? And you, you talked earlier about kind of this clarity what do you see on the other side of it? And how do you learn to tap into that and listen to it? Wow. Okay. We're getting deep. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. We always do. I hey. love it. I love it. <laughs> I, if you're ready for it, I'm ready to go in deep real fast. Yeah, no, let's do it. Um, really, it is the process of self-discovery. Like, that's what it is. And that will never stop. Yeah, mm-hmm. that will never stop until until we die. So the clarity is just learning at every moment to listen to that voice inside Mm. so if I go out like I still go out and I still like to party but I just don't drink if I go out and I'm not feeling comfortable in a situation or I'm not having fun in that situation it's about saying to myself you don't need to be here Mm. yeah you can go that's okay you can go you're not missing out you're not your presence at the party is not a make or break for the party. Yeah. Like mm. get out of your own ego. <laughs> so <laughs> just give myself permission to listen to myself. And that's the clarity that you can't access when you're drinking because the need for drink is always overriding. Like the mm. drink is saying, let's stay at this party because it could get better. Like, you know, we can have a few more drinks and let's see what happens. Well, why? You don't need to see what happens. Mm-hmm. You've been there for four hours. If you're not right. enjoying yourself, you're not enjoying yourself. Just give yourself permission to go do something else. Mm. I love this conversation. And I feel like that this is very synchronistic because I literally today on my personal Instagram shared a post about how my belief is that alcohol separates us from our intuition. And that when we think about it on a physiological level, yes, it is a nervous system depressant. We think about what makes up the nervous system. That's our brain and our spinal cord and our nerve, like our central nervous system. What's the part of us that is our intuition? Well, on a logistic physiological level, it's our brain. We can also say it's like our heart, but it's, it's primarily our brain. If we're numbing this out all the time with alcohol or any time we have an uncomfortable thought and uncomfortable feeling, we're using alcohol to cope with that, then that is telling this inner voice, the heart tugs, the intuition, the gut feeling, whatever you want to call it, that's saying like, nah, I'd rather not touch that. Like, we're just going to ignore that. We're just going to drink about it. We're just going to not deal with it. And and I find that certainly in my own life and what I observe happening for a lot of people is that it leads to this kind of disconnection, this complacency, the ability to kind of settle and just accept mm. what is versus 
maybe you have these gut feelings that say, no, go this way or go this way, or this feels right. This doesn't feel right. We just get very used to saying like, "Mm, no, I'm just going to drink about it. Yeah. So when you start this journey of self-discovery and starting to listen to that, what comes from that good and bad? Because I know it's, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. Oh yeah, no. (laughs) So, okay. So I will talk about, I will talk about it in um, respect to dating. Oh, perfect. Love it. Let's do it. (laughs) Because I always used to go out on dates and I just get smashed. I just get Mm. smashed. And uh, more often than not, you know, I didn't even, I couldn't even remember like whether the date was good or bad or if I liked the person. Sure. Because I was, it was just under a a haze. So Mm. I remember I was really nervous. I spoke to a therapist who had been like three years um, and we were like, okay, come on, let's do this. Let's get back into the dating scene. And she was like, she just said something which was so crazy because like now it seems, of course, but at the time I was like, what? She was like, you don't have to give your time to anyone that you don't want to. Mm. If you go on a date and you're not enjoying the date, you can politely excuse yourself. Mm. And that's fine. If you go on a date and you're having a great time and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if it comes to like physical connection and you're not feeling it, that's okay as mm. well. Like you can just go. But sometimes when the alcohol is there, it just clouds everything yeah. and make kind of like, I don't say regrettable, but just you just make judgments that you wouldn't have made yeah. if you had been clear. As the complacency. It's like, I guess I can deal with this. I'm drinking. I guess I can deal right? with this. That's so interesting because I, I think that also ties in with what you're saying about like, I can leave a party if I want to. I'm not the life of the party. What am like, get over yourself. I think there's this ego detachment that comes with the self-discovery, but also with the not drinking thing. It's like, we start to realize one, our time is very valuable and we don't really owe anybody anything. And also like, people aren't paying as much attention to us as we think they are. And the freedom that comes with that. So what does dating look like for you now? If you are dating, um, I'm actually engaged. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> okay, scratch that. What did dating look like when you were sober, and then you were stepping into these spaces? So it, it was hilarious. It was like it was literally like learning to date all over again. I like bet, it yeah. really, it really was. It was it was brilliant. I loved it. Can I just say I loved it? And I used to hate dating when I mm. was drinking. I get so nervous, but I really loved it because it was like I've set my boundaries now, yeah. and I know people cross those boundaries it's okay for me to just go like there's no animosity but it's fine like we're yeah. not meant for each other this isn't gonna work out thank you so much for your time goodbye so mm. it was much easier actually to like <laughs> get, yeah. through, get through the dates and find the person that was right for me and he's lovely he does still drink but he doesn't have a problem and he's very respectful uh, he actually built the bar for a line events he's amazing <laughs> Number one supporter. <laughs> I'm like trying to get a glimpse of your ring again. That's just stunning. You I'm know, sorry. <laughs> I think that there's, yeah, so pretty. Oh my God. But I think there's definitely like, there's so many people that need to hear you say that, that dating is so much better sober because that's really scary. That's something that I yeah. think too also keeps a lot of people drinking longer than maybe they need to or should or is well good for them because this idea of stepping into these social situations, let alone trying to find a life partner and doing it kind of completely raw and without any sort of liquid courage, quote unquote, and also, you know, kind of the stigma that comes with this. I think people need to hear somebody like you, who's like incredible, say actually dating 
without this is amazing because I know what I want. I know what my boundaries are. I know it feels good. Talk to us about like what that is like stepping into a relationship with somebody who still drinks and does so casually, but knows that you're sober. What is that like having that as the precedent from the outset? So it was really important, like right from the first date, we were super honest. Like it was the most honest Mm. and open, like quite intense date that I've ever had. But for me, that's just how I operate, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, through the sober dating, I would always say, I'm sober. I don't drink. I don't mind if you drink, but I don't want to be around Mm -hmm. that. You know, I don't mind that, but you have to respect me and I'll respect you. And that also helps to weed people out. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Because sometimes some people aren't ready. They're just not ready. Yeah, that's so true. You know, I've had this conversation with sober friends of like, they're like, I'm so afraid to put it on my dating app that I don't drink or that I'm sober. I'm like, why? Think about how many people, how many first dates that saves you from where somebody's like a douchebag and then you're like oh I don't drink like oh gross like that totally weeds out that saves your time that saves your energy that gives people an expectation in a very good positive way that's going to set a really strong foundation for that relationship exactly so we so we were we we met I'm laughing because like I'm just I'm just so hyper like Mm. focused when I was dating I was hyper focused so I had invited like a family friend to the bar where I was going to meet my now partner. And I was like, look, come over in the first half hour. If he's a freak, I'll give you a signal and then we'll leave. But if it's, if it's fine, I'll like touch the table. So, so my poor fiance had no idea what was going on. Also a friend of mine was working the bar. Perfect. So it was like protection from all sides, which I That's think is so really funny. important. Can I just say, ladies, please. Yeah. That's so funny though, because I feel like people do that with text messages, but you're like, no, you're going to be here at the bar with me and like, you're going to be able to tap me out if I need to. (laughs) Yeah, I do. If you can, I do think that is like really important, just not just for safety, but just for peace of mind. Yeah. So anyway, so he comes over, he comes over halfway through and actually everything was fine. And and Jamie, that's my partner saying, he was so lovely and we were like deep in conversation. So it's just like, no, we're good. Guys. Do the little table Jamie tap tap. Like, yeah, did the tap. <laughs> but Jamie was like, "What's good? Why do you know everyone in here?" I was like, "Yeah, oh. <laughs> just a regular. This is this is my place. I just come here all the time. They just happen to know me. That's incredible. I love right. this story. What did Jamie think when you told him about this? He was, but so he said he was really shocked, but he was really happy that yeah. I was so open because it meant that he could be open as well." Mm. Right. And so he he doesn't have a drinking problem. Well, you know, I'm not going to go into it, but there's there's things that we all have in our past that we just want to be honest Mm -hmm. (laughs) with someone about. And we just want them to hear and go, yeah, you've been through it. That's okay." Mm -hmm. Like that's he's a he's a divorcee. So that Mm -hmm. was his thing. Yeah. So he was just like, "I, I need to be honest and open with you. And then we sat there. We sat for. We just sat for hours and just mm. talked. I was drinking cups of tea. He moved on to coffee because he mm-hmm. like needed to stay. And then he walked me home, and I was still really in my boundaries. So I was mm. like, "I'm not kissing you." <laughs> <laughs> I've got and he was rolls. like, "I didn't even." Yeah, he was like, "I didn't even say it. I wasn't even thinking." <laughs> 
Raise your hand if you've ever thought, hey, therapy sounds cool. Then opened your computer to find help and then immediately shut the laptop in a panic. Me? Anyone else? This experience is such a bummer to me. Therapy is such a useful tool in our sober toolbox, but there are often so many barriers to entry that folks quit before they ever get help. That's why we're happy to be sponsored by BetterHelp, a digital therapy platform that offers licensed therapists trained to listen and help you. BetterHelp has a network of over 20,000 therapists with a broad range of expertise, giving you online convenient access to support. It's easy. Fill out a questionnaire describing your specific needs, and you'll be matched with a therapist in less than 48 hours. In addition to your secure video or phone therapy sessions, you can exchange unlimited messages with your therapist between meetings. No more overwhelm, no more barriers to entry, just help when you need it. Join the 3 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash sober stories. That's betterhelp.com slash sober stories. If you've been hanging out with Sober Stories for a while, you know all about Quitlet, the genre of literature covering the diverse experience of quitting drinking. In fact, we've had some amazing authors on the podcast like Ruby Warrington of Sober Curious and Amanda E. White of Not Drinking Tonight. Since I know you already enjoy plugging into your sober space via your headphones, we've got the perfect partner for you. It's time to check out Audible. Audible is the leading creator and provider of premium audio storytelling, enriching the lives of millions of listeners every day. Books on Tape have gotten a serious upgrade. With over 200,000 podcasts, audiobooks, guided wellness, and Audible originals available, you can tune into your latest Quitlet read on your next hot girl walk or school pickup line. Get a free 30-day trial, including one credit or two for Prime members, good for any premium selection by visiting audibletrial.com slash sober stories. That's audibletrial.com slash sober stories. Yeah, you know, I think you're so right, though, about like wanting to just be seen and to be able to lay all the cards on the table. And with the alcohol thing, people, I remember when I first quit drinking, I was so, so mad that this was my thing. I was like, give me anything else. I will go through any other trial tribulation. I'm so mad that alcohol is my thing because of all of the baggage that comes with it. I didn't want to quit drinking. People are like, well, I don't want to give up wine. I'm like, yeah, I didn't either. But I was so mad that it was my thing. But the reality is, is everybody's got a thing. Everybody's got something. And we're all craving connection and the ability to be seen wholly, wholly with an H, holistically. We're all craving to be able to be seen wholly and fully. And there's a really different calculus that comes on the other side of being seen like that. So as you're stepping into kind of more of this intuitive, like connected, aligned life, you decide to start Align Events. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I was at a spa with my mum and it was my birthday and there wasn't any, there were no drinks, Mm -hmm. there were no alcohol-free drinks. And I kind of thought this, there's a problem here. Not, you know, it was a lovely spa and it was great. And I was very, I was grateful to have that experience. But my mom drank the two Bellinis that they bought. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I didn't have anything. And I just thought, you know what? We have been on such a journey um, as sober people. We deserve to feel celebrated. We deserve to feel special, especially at times like our birthday or Mm. soberversary. And where is, you know, the hospitality? Where's the catering to that and for that? Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist. So it's like, right. Let me just make it exist. Mm. <laughs> um, so I obviously I had a little thing and I started playing around, I was playing around with ingredients, like flavors and things. And 
you know, from, so I had the idea in February um, this year and then I registered the company in March. Dang. So when you're on your path, yeah, yeah, when you're on your path, it just, yeah, it just happens. Yeah, totally. Have you read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? No, I haven't. Really fantastic book that talks about ideas and creativity and inspiration and where an idea comes from. And I feel like that that's really aligned with this idea of like, I had this idea and then I registered it. And now I have a full-fledged business. Sometimes like the stars are aligned just so perfectly. And, and Sober Stories was very much like a big magic thing where like I had this download and it was like burst from me and I couldn't stop it no matter what I tried. I was like, I'm not ready for this. I don't want this. But it had to come because when you say you're living your life's purpose and you're living in this alignment, it just comes naturally. So what are you like, what are you guys doing? Where are you guys doing your pop-ups? What is kind of the, the trajectory of aligned events? So we're doing a couple, I can't say too much. <laughs> so we're doing a couple of collabs with some beauty brands, which is Ooh, really fun. lovely. Yeah, I'm really excited. So we're using things like hibiscus and rose oil and cucumber water and everything that's good for like hydration and mm-hmm. skin elasticity. So we're just doing a couple of cocktails for them. Cool. Um, and then our own events that we're doing, we have, so it's all in the UK right now, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry, we've got, so we've got listeners in the UK. So for those that are over, <laughs> over the pond. Yeah, over the pond. I love it. So we've got an event in Oxford. That's a harvest festival. That's why we're going to do the malt cider. And then at the end of September, we are going to just outside London to a really fun night market. And they've got a DJ. Like, it's going to be awesome. (laughs) Amazing. You know, I think that what you talked about, like, we deserve to be celebrated. And there's something about this non-alcoholic bar, the rise of the non-alcoholic bar, the rise of the bottle shop, the rise of you know, these pop-ups that are starting to happen that I think is really starting to put an interesting flavor on the narrative of celebration because we have thus far completely intertwined celebration, socialization, parties, birthdays, weddings with this idea of alcohol. And that has been the norm. And, you know, people like you and me who are sober and all of that, like we have to combat with that. We have to retrain our brain on an individual level to say, okay, I don't need to pair alcohol with celebration. I can still celebrate without alcohol. We do this kind of on a micro level. But what I see happening with the expansion of the non-alcoholic scene and more of these like really fun, really cool, like Instagram worthy pop-ups and, and bars is like we're starting to change the conversation about celebration on more of a macro level. So less of an individual level and more on a societal level of Actually, we don't need this to have fun. So as you're starting to step into these spaces and you're starting to talk to people and introduce this fairly new concept of, you know, these non-alcoholic drink spaces, what are the conversations you're having? What are the, what are the reactions from people who see this popping up around town? It's been really positive. Like, I'm so pleased to say that it's been really, really positive. The nice side of it is that you know gen z they're the fastest rising group of non-drinkers so they love it like <laughs> they are they're our biggest client grouping at the moment like they absolutely yeah they love it they love it they get it mm. and they want more of it that's the thing like mm. i don't even have to explain or give a sober story like that in a way they're not even interested in like yeah. a, a sober story they're just like oh no 
this fits my lifestyle and I love the product. I want it to taste delicious. I want to have fun. Thanks. (laughs) You know? Yeah. That's such an interesting observation because I I have noticed that Gen Z appears statistically to be drinking less, but I didn't think about it. They're like, now I don't care about the story. I just, uh, this just is what fits for me. Yeah, totally. And then there's, there's um, like millennials and like a slightly older age group who are, a lot of them are actually the cool sober clients. So that is a much more interesting conversation because our logo is a reworking of the sobriety symbol. I will have people come mm. to the bar and they will see that symbol and then we'll just start talking. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's really powerful to, to hear someone else's journey and, and to also just celebrate that with them, mm. like that point of connection. That's really powerful. Mm. For those who are listening and don't know what the sobriety symbol is, can you describe it for us? Okay, so it's like a, a circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the triangle in yeah. the middle. Um, and so ours is the, and, and they, they, you have, if you're in AA, you have tokens with that symbol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we worked it with our name and a little glass in the middle because mm. we wanted to show that we are fully aligned with that mission. I mean, yeah. I'm so happy that more people are interested in non drinking. But we give 6% of our profits to Alcohol Change UK, which are Mm. a charity that directly fund alcohol misuse research. Mm. And they work to tackle that because, you know, that's that's where our focus is. Yeah, We want to end people's really dysfunctional relationship with alcohol. That's so interesting. So say that again. You donate. What do you donate to and how much? Uh, 6% of profits from every event to alcohol change uk yeah i really like that because it's like you said like you're there for the gen zers who are like this is just cool and uh, i saw the meme one time it's like alcohol is boomer technology i'm like yeah i see that i get that that's so true (laughs) alcohol is boomer technology there's like there's another part to that meme um but we don't need to talk about that on here in case that is not supportive of anybody's sobriety but you know i think that the gen z is really glamorizing this sober curiosity and, you know, not drinking and it just doesn't align. But then I think sometimes the sober, sober people, like I'm sober, sober, the sober, sober people are like, well, what about me? Like, where's the part for me? And it sounds like that that is something that y'all are really actively cultivating this concept of like, this is for you. This is, we recognize the struggle. We recognize what the more societal impact this has on you and the people around you and our society at large. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. It's, you know, I feel like representation matters on every single level, right? Mm-hmm. And especially as like a black biracial woman, mm-hmm. when I'm out there in the field telling my story, it makes it okay for other people to start mm-hmm. sharing their story as well. So when I said about the stories that people come up, you know, they're from all backgrounds, all races. And I, and I love that sobriety has given me, and I'm sure it's given you the bravery to be like, this is who I am. And that's okay. That's okay. And then more people start feeling like, oh, well, well, if you can do it, then I can do it too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a total ripple effect. It's like you, you have this thing that's your thing and it feels very scary to talk about and it's really close to the chest. And then you kind of blurt it out one day and you say it to somebody and then it resonates with somebody and then you get more courage to talk about it and then you share it in different spaces and it resonates with somebody else. And then eventually you're, you're you and me and I spill my guts on the internet all the time, much to everyone's <laughs> chagrin in my family. You could get my whole history if you wanted to. 
What has that been like being a biracial black woman in this space and being somebody who's vocal about this and and sharing your story? What are you seeing on the other side of that? I think it's a slow process to really showcasing the diversity in -hmm. these spaces. Just, you know, um, the sober space is a microcosm of the world that we live in, right? Mm -hmm. So, So the same things that we come up against and the same barriers and the same, you know, intersecting and navigating of our identities, it that also plays out like mm. in AA meetings and also yeah. just in service spaces. So it's about working with allies and, and working with other amazing sober people to just say, we are inclusive on every level. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's our aim, right? That's all of our aim. And actually being sober like gives you more of an insight mm. into what inclusion actually is yeah. and how we can help bring everyone into the conversation. Mm. So I'm, I am really pleased that things are slowly getting better. And do I think there's more work to be done? There always is. Totally. Like the, <laughs> the work will never end. But there are also some amazing um, sober support groups for black women there's a whatsapp group there's sober sisters mm-hmm. um black girls sober you know there are there are a lot of resources out there in the uk there's black minds matter mm-hmm. they are primarily a black mental health charity but they also have a whole network of therapists that cover um, addiction mm-hmm. so it's about linking people to resources building our communities into each other yeah like Mm -hmm. we're not separate we're all connected so just working out ways to hold that space for each other where do you see the need still where do you where do you see that we need to increase this inclusion and equity and and really bringing everybody to the table i think it's about raising people's voices Mm -hmm. and if there are if you go to a meeting and you know there are two people of color there I'm not saying it's an individual's responsibility to get kind of to bring them in, but it's about being aware and it's about asking them, is this a safe space for you? Like, do you, Mm. do you feel like this is a safe space? And if they say no, right. Okay. So how can I, how can I make it better? Tell, tell me, like, let people of color lead the conversation. Mm -hmm. What makes them feel comfortable? And then we can all, you know, there is space in the world for everybody. So we just have to work together. When you say like, what makes this feel like a safe space? What is it that makes it feel like a safe space or a space where you can be a voice in in here? Like say I walked into a meeting and I saw two black people and it didn't feel like a safe space for them. What are you seeking on the other side of that? I think what we're all seeking to be heard, to be seen, to be understood. I think that's it. But because of the societies that we're all raised in, we're each carrying a set of unconscious biases that blocks us from being able to do that. So just being more conscious, being more aware, everything that we do anyway, and that we're taught yeah. to do in therapy, but just, just being more. Yeah. yeah. Therapy for everyone. Before this, we were talking right? about how everybody should be in therapy all the time, forever. Therapy for everyone. <laughs> you know, I think that this is such a, an important conversation. And I think especially in kind of this more, digital sober space it remains prevalently white it remains prevalently female too oddly enough yes and we have a lot of growth to do there and a lot of 
important work to make this more inclusive. And I, I appreciate you sharing like what you see is what we do for that, because sometimes I know we don't quite know like the next right step. We don't quite know what to do to change this conversation and make sure that all voices are being heard. So I really appreciate that insight and kind of this experience that you've had. What do you celebrate in the sober space? What's feeling good for you these days? Actually, um, I'm really enjoying my Ayurvedic and alternative therapies at the moment. Oh, amazing. So, Tell me more. Yeah. So I met this amazing light worker. She's called Priya and I will, I will send you, um, you know, the links to her Instagram. And we were doing an event and that was to celebrate Southeast Asian History Month. Cool. Um, and so Priya, she is a reflexologist and a light worker and we had a session and she was just telling me, because I, I'll admit, like I was quite ignorant. I didn't know a lot about the chakras and how they're all mm -hmm. related and interconnected. And she, so she was like, you need to work on your throat chakra and your root chakra, like stay grounded. So and I just here you been, are. Right? We've been researching and just really trying to get get into that. Um, and mm. that's that's my sober journey, like yeah, sober wellness journey. That's what that's where I'm going right now. Well, and I think that that kind of ties into what we were just talking about with like bringing in the southeastern Asian culture too. And we've had several guests on here, Kyle Desai and Jati Chan, who have yes. given kind of this Southeast Asian perspective and really starting to look at like we all have very similar experiences. We all have overlying stories that are connected and related and alcohol is a physiological response. So the way it shows up in our physical body can be really, really similar, but our cultural experience of it can be completely different dependent on where we come from, the color of our skin, what this looks like. So I think that that's a really interesting piece to this. I also am a total like Give me all the chakra stuff. Give me all the oh, light okay. working stuff. That's, yeah, that's very fun. That's that's good stuff to me. So what do you have coming up that feels really exciting? I know you just finished a radio interview. Yeah. So um, I was just on BBC Radio Oxford and then cool. last week was on BBC Radio London. So wow. That was really, really exciting. So nerve wracking. Oh, my goodness. But what were you really, talking about? So BBC Radio London, we were talking about um, sober bank holidays. It was a bank holiday in the UK and it was just kind of like tips and tricks and, and what we do, you know, is a sober yeah. bank holiday any different from a regular bank holiday? The answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you go out in the sun, you have a barbecue, you hang mm -hmm. out with friends. That's it. Like, yeah, so right. good night. You just but, do it and um, you don't drink. Right. So that's been going on. And then um, we've got the night markets coming up. We have uh, a few really fun events that are still in the works. So we're getting them ready for 2023. And it's all about just like meeting amazing people like yourself, to be honest, there, and just mm. building that community. That's what we're really trying to do. Yeah, man, you're killing that PR game getting on BBC Radio. That's incredible. Well done. Well, golf clap for Thank that. Thank you. I don't know. But you know, sometimes you black out. Like I said yeah. to Jamie afterwards, I was like, what did I even say? <laughs> you're like, did I do okay? Did I say something weird? It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Well, the last question I ask every episode is, if your story, the story of Yaz and alcohol, were to be written into a book, what would it be titled? So really cheesy and I've been thinking about it all the way through like really really cheesy I, love cheesy I would say the journey to becoming myself 
And I say becoming because I'm still not there. You know, I, mm. I, I don't think I ever will be. Like we never, only Buddha found like true enlightenment, right? So right. the journey to becoming myself. I love that. I don't find that cheesy at all. I find that really relatable. And and I like that you put the asterisks on becoming because it really is an evolving process. And I find peace in the idea of, you know, I'm never fully done. I'm not completely at my final iteration. I always can evolve and change. And I really like that you've, you know, included that in this idea of becoming. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been a delight. I know our people are going to want to connect with you. They're going to want to connect with online events and get to know what you are up to. So how can they stay up to date with all of these amazing events you've got coming in the fall? How can we find your BBC interview? Maybe we can put the link for that in our show notes. Great. I need to find it. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get it. afterwards. Okay. Well, until then, until we can find those yeah. links, how do they find okay. you? How do they connect with you? Okay, so you can find us on all of our socials. They are at align underscore events underscore or our website is www.bubbleswithouttroubles.com. That's a brilliant catchphrase. <laughs> I oh, love thank that. You. Yeah, that's the slogan. <laughs> um, bubbles without troubles. Yeah, yeah, bubbles without troubles. So our, I also have a personal Instagram if you want to like reach yes. out to me on there. That is sugar water XX. And that's because I am like a men in black, like nerd. So if you know the reference, like please DM me. It's from the first men in black film. That's amazing. Um, Fun fact, throwback, like so many, so, so much to unpack there, honestly. <laughs> I love it. Well, yes, thank you so much for your time today and your story. I am just really excited to see what y'all are doing with Align Events. And honestly, when you said March of 2021, I'm like, how are you doing so many things in such a short amount of time? But it just goes to show that when you are doing what you're supposed to be doing and when you are living in your purpose, it just comes naturally. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me, Beth. It's been amazing. And thank you for sharing as well. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to Sober Stories with me, Beth Bowen, and our guest, Yaz Spark of Align Events. At this point, I'm just going to book my flight to London. All signs point to a UK Christmas. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you took a second to rate and review Sober Stories wherever you get your podcasts. This helps us tell more stories, reach more people, change more lives, one good review at a time. And if you had a big aha moment from today's show, we'd love it if you shared it with us on social media. You can find us at We Are Sober Stories on most platforms. Tag us so we can hear your big takeaways and you never know when we'll send a little thank you. I also want to thank our team here at Sober Stories, Alexis Archuleta on the mixing and podcast genius side, Callie Williams is our community engagement lead, Daniela Marty for our graphic design and every single person who has a hand in what we are building. Until next week, my friends.